For me, functional fitness is a way of life and living your life in the best way possible and the healthiest way possible. Yes, ma'am. What's going on, everybody? It is September 21st, 2020, and you are listening to episode 13 of the Candid Clarinetist podcast. I hope everyone is enjoying the nice fall weather that we have suddenly been thrust into over the past few days. My name is Sam Rothstein, acting principal clarinet of the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra and the host of the Candid Clarinetist podcast. Today on the podcast, we're going to be taking talking all about functional fitness for musicians. But before we dive in, just a few bits of housekeeping. We recently launched our excuse me. We recently launched our new website, www.candidclarinetistpodcast.com which will be the new central hub for all things Candid Clarinetist. So if you haven't had a chance to check it out yet, make sure to do so. Once again, you can visit the website at www.candidclarinetistpodcast.com. Also, if you like the podcast and are enjoying our content, make sure to hit the subscribe button and rate us on iTunes or your favorite podcasting platforms. I also wanted to take this opportunity to extend my condolences to the family of Jim Pine, who, of course, is a titan in the world of clarinet pedagogy and mouthpiece craftsmanship. He passed away recently, and I wanted to send my thoughts and condolences to his family, friends, students, and all those who knew him. So joining me today to discuss functional fitness for musicians are two experts in the field. And first up, we have Peter Brasovin, who is the co-owner of Naptown Fitness in Indianapolis, Indiana. How's it going today, Peter? Going great. Thank you for having me on. Really excited. Yeah, really happy to have you. And Austin Pansner, who is the founder of The Functional Musician, where he provides musicians with health and wellness coaching with the goal of having his clients perform without pain. How are you doing tonight, Austin? I'm doing great, Sam. Thanks for asking. How are you doing, man? Doing really well. I'm, I'm really excited to have the two of you here. I wanted to, uh, just to briefly explain why I chose you two, um, I wanted to sort of bridge the gap between functional fitness and musicians. So I'm, I'm here as the musician, and Austin's a musician as well. Uh, and then Austin's sort of the, the gap bridger between uh, functional fitness and being a musician. And Peter, of course, is the uh, functional fitness expert. So I figured it'd be nice to have a, you know, a, a different points of view from, from our different experiences. And I, I feel like it could be a really interesting discussion. And, and I know for me, functional fitness has helped me tremendously throughout my playing career. And I think that um, it's, it's really important to talk about and you know, as much as practicing and performing is important, I think taking care of your body is also incredibly important. Um, so let's just start right off the bat. Uh, Peter, how do you define functional fitness? For me, functional fitness is a way of life and living your life in the best way possible and the healthiest way possible, which we can go into a whole other de definition of what health is in and of itself. But uh, it really starts with the base layer of nutrition and then you talk about being fit for what you need to do every day, being a parent, uh, being a musician, whatever it might be, a uh, base layer of fitness. Uh, and then you can really get into the highest point of thinking about like Maslow's higher hierarchy of needs. The highest point would be like your absolute specialty for So talking to you guys and being functional, functional is, are you getting paid to do something? 
that's the highest point of the need. But for you know, the base for me is nutrition and just being healthy for your everyday needs. And Austin, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, uh, Peter, I loved what you said. I'm going to piggyback off of that. And I'm going to say for me, functional fitness is doing any type of fitness and setting up your health and wellness habits in a way that supports the life you want to live and supports what you love and do outside of the gym. So whatever exercises you're doing is going to translate over into uh, what you love, what you love to do. In your case, it'd be clarinet. In my case, it would be trombone. And for nutrition, I mean, that also bleeds into every area of life too. And we could talk about um, all of those little nitty gritty um, habits for sure um, and dive into those. But really the main overarching thing is just uh, living a life that supports what you do and supports what you love. Yeah. And I love how both of you talked about nutrition because I think that well, I will speak for myself. This is the area that I struggle with the most. Um, but really, functional fitness is, I mean, you know, you talk about the pyramid. Everyone always talks about the pyramid. And, and Peter, I, I know it's stressed at NapTown, uh, which we'll get into in a second. But but nutrition is 80% of the work when it comes to functional fitness, at, at least uh, from my point of view. Would, would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. And um, when we think about it in more depth, for me, nutrition is the longevity of your fitness. Most of us, many of us can get away with maybe poor nutritional choices at younger ages, maybe through college when we're just scraping by to, to pay the bills um, and maybe even into our young thirties. But that's usually where many people start to really get slapped in the face head on with nutrition. You can't hide from it any longer. Uh, but then the problem is, is undoing the last however many years of poor choices uh, so the sooner that we can talk about nutrition with people, I think the better they'll see their new, their actual fitness results get into their life and then get into their specialty, whatever that might be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm going to give you guys just a, a platform here and and just talk about your businesses and, and why fitness, health, and wellness are so important to you. So Austin, why don't you kick this one off? Sure. So... Um, as you said earlier, Sam, I run the functional musician. I'm the founder and CEO, and we help classically trained musicians holistically perform without pain. So along the, along those lines, during my graduate, uh, performance academic career, I developed a pretty serious injury. I blew up my forearm and it sent me down the spiral where I ended up blowing out my shoulder. Uh, I developed huge knots underneath my scapula. And I even got to a point where I couldn't take a full breath without feeling a stabbing pain in my chest. And this was the accumulation of, um, as you said earlier, Peter, with nutrition, just years and years and years of debilitating habits. And it was just catching up with me at that moment. And I didn't even know it. I just thought it was like, oh, I'm unlucky. Oh, I practiced too much, this and that, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but it was the years and years of debilitating habits. And as I did more research and as I was trying to get out of my own hole that I dug, um, you know, I found functional fitness, you know, as corny as that sounds. Um, and I got a, a personal trainer certificate from the National Academy of Sports Medicine. And that led me down a path towards a lot of other certifications we can talk about later, um, including nutrition and corrective exercise, to name a few. But after applying those concepts, um, rather than being in an injury cycle for three years, I started backtracking and actually making progress along the way. And with the course, within the course of six months of applying these concepts, I was actually able to perform my trombone again, pain and tension free. And that was the first time in, oh my goodness, like three and a half years. And, you know, at that point when you're in that debilitating cycle, it can be very mentally draining and it can be very hard to 
uh, overcome a lot of those barriers that you necessarily don't see because they're in your blind spots. So getting past that point was a huge, huge uh, moment for me. And then at that moment, I was also seeing other people who were struggling with similar things at uh, my college, Indiana University. Um, and there are, I think there are 1,800 to 2,000 music students at any given time at Indiana University. So it's a huge school. And to see other people going through what I did, um, that really really hit hard. It really hit close to home. And so I started developing this idea of the functional musician. And as I researched, it doesn't matter what really age you're at, performance-related injuries tend to be a very, very common thing. And unfortunately, in our culture, it's not something that's very much talked about if you look you know, past the last five, 10 years. So that's something I'm definitely trying to change going forward. But um, I may have forgotten your question, Sam. But uh, basically, what I do is I help musicians uh, develop healthy habits that have kept them in this debilitating injury cycle for years and years and years, maybe when they haven't even realized it. Because if you can set up your foundation, much less like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but Austin's the functional musician's hierarchy of functional habits that can support you and complement your performance career or your teaching career or whatever career that you want to do for the rest of your life. And that's my goal when I work with clients is, okay, like we're going to work together for uh, 12 weeks. And at the end of this 12 weeks, like you're not going to need me anymore because we're going to work on these habits and we're going to work on developing the habits you need to be your most successful self and complement the lifestyle that you want. So um, that's kind of the short note, spark note version. Peter, I would love to hear um, what your business is about next. Yeah, Austin, that's an amazing story. Um, it's so neat to hear such an, in my mind, that'd be a, such a niche of thousands of people across the country to be able to have um, a subject matter expert in fitness that blends in with, with the musical side of things. It's just incredible to hear that. Um, for me, I come from a background of more sports-related uh, fitness and health growing up. I actually played soccer my whole life. And then I was fortunate enough to go to IUPUI and uh, on an athletic scholarship and play college soccer there. Um, while I was there, I also attended the Kelly School of Business. And it gave me a really well-rounded background of, I loved fitness, um, but I always knew that there was something more to fitness in a lifestyle, but I just didn't know how. Uh, my best childhood friend, his name's Jared Bisco. He always had this entrepreneurial mindset that he wanted to start something. And he always thought we need to, he needed to start as an entrepreneur with a widget. He needed to create something. Um, and then after a few years out of school, we both went off and did our own business things. And we both fell in love with CrossFit. And a lot of what CrossFit is, it actually defines functional fitness at, um, in, in what they do. And, and they say um, functional fitness is high intensity executed. Um, I'm sorry, is your fitness is executed at a higher relative intensity. Um, so you'll be able to vary your needs and, and is accessible to everybody. Um, anyways, through a lot of trial and error and just thinking about it, we decided to come back to Indianapolis and start a CrossFit gym. And we started CrossFit Naptown in 2011. And then I had met my then girlfriend, became my fiance and wife. And she actually has a musical theater background, um, <laughs> grew up in dance and musical theater. So she was kind of using fitness as her bridge from getting out of that industry and trying to figure out what was next. And we all decided to move to Indianapolis and we started across the gym. And 11 years later, we've gone into a much broader spectrum of trying to help the obesity problems here in Indiana and the Midwest and hopefully expand into our ultimate goal right now is to make Indianapolis a top 10 healthiest city in the United States, where right now we actually lie as like number 40 or 45. 
So that's what Naptown Fitness does in a nutshell, but we have something for everybody. We have kids programs, we have nutrition programs, we have longevity programs for 55 and older. And then our core programs are, are more geared towards the general public and general population. Um, but we start with a foundational program and build from there. So we try to encompass a little bit of everything, a myriad of options, if you will. Yeah, and I will say that I've been a member of uh, Naptown Fitness for five years, and I've had some breaks in there, but um, it's really fantastic. And, and you know, I like this will kind of lead into our, our next question, but um, I like how it's kind of an all-encompassing organization. It's not just a CrossFit gym. It's, you know, you got yoga. You guys have a huge nutrition component as well. Um, longevity, uh, lots of like, um, you guys started the series with the, uh, with local, uh, your members come in and do like talks and stuff. And, and I just love how it's like this community and it's not just, you know, you go and you do CrossFit and you leave. It's, there's, it's a whole component of it. And uh, Austin, we've never worked together, but I think I'm probably going to need to call you up because I've had years and years of <laughs> nagging injuries. So Yeah. Well, I have an opening. Just ring me up. Perfect. Sounds good. Um, so I, I just touched on this, but uh, we keep talking about the pyramid or the pillars of functional fitness. So, so I want to hear from both of you. What, what are your sort of pillars of functional fitness? Uh, Peter, why don't you, why don't you start this one? Um, for me, it, we, we have talked about it, but it comes down to nutrition, um, kind of working on strength and conditioning, really trying to balance your type of intensity levels. Um, and then doing it all and I'm going to share the same word, but doing it all in a functional manner of like what we do in the gym is what you're going to do in your life. And not to talk too bad about machines in a general gym. Like most of those machines are made to make you go in one direction, whatever direction that particular mean, machine is set up. Um, but definitely in what you guys do and specific needs, we sit in a chair. I always joke like the first two things we all need to be able to do the rest of our lives, no matter what is one sit up. And at least one squat a day. You have to get out of your bed, and that's a sit up and a squat just to get out of bed. And then most likely you're gonna squat at another point and sit on the toilet. <laughs> so that's about as functional as you can get. And then we talk about a lot of things like if you're flying, if we can ever fly again, um, you put something in an overhead compartment, you're gonna press something above your head. You're taking something out of your cupboard. You have to be able to functionally pull it out of your cupboard, right? So I talk about fitness and what we do in the gym. Would you do that in your everyday life? Yeah, and I think the first time I ever really understood that was about, I think it was a year and a half into me being a member at the gym, and we were moving my, at the time, girlfriend, now wife, uh, we were moving her in apartments. And I remember it was the first time I'd ever moved where I, A, wasn't tired, and B, like, could lift things, and I wasn't sore the next day. It was, and I remember I woke up the next day, and I was like, I get it now. I understand what functional fitness is. It's like actually doing life functions and being trained in, in that, um, which is really cool. So Austin, what are your pillars of functional fitness? Sure. So this is something I've really thought quite a bit about over, over my injury and just the course of my life and trying to bridge that connection between music and functional fitness, because obviously you don't need to, you know, as musicians, as a clarinetist or trombonist, we don't need to bench 300 pounds in order to be functional in our performance career. So for me, I really focus on four different pillars. Um, the first one is developing body awareness. The second one is strengthening our body into alignment. The third pillar is talking about uh, mindset and mindfulness. They're not the same thing, but they do go hand in hand and are necessary components. And then the last but not least are daily foundational health and wellness habits. And this can be anywhere from three different health and wellness habits or up to 
I don't know, 20, depending on the person, but the three most important is something I call a little health and wellness triangle is sleep, hydration, and nutrition. And 90% of musicians, just throwing that number out there, um, a lot of people just don't do those three things, sleep, nutrition, and hydration. If you can do those three things consistently over the long term, that's going to solve a lot of problems and you're going to feel a lot better both mentally and physically um, from that standpoint. But I'd love to actually go into each of these different pillars and um, talk about them and the first one's developing body awareness. And as musicians, if we aren't able to recognize tension or pain in our performance modality in a high stressful situation, that tension or pain could um, become a prominent character in our performance. They could become the evil um, anti-antagonist or anti-protagonist that takes over our entire performance and um, interferes with our communication to the audience. So doing things like yoga, Alexander technique, or Aldoa, or mobility go a great way and to be able to recognize that tension and pain, but also release that tension and pain if that um, tension or pain happens to occur in a moment where you necessarily don't want to experience tension or pain, if you ever do. Um, and going along those lines, going to the next one, strengthening our body into alignment. Peter, I'm sure you can um, relate to this, but I mean, rounded shoulders in today's society are just wreaking havoc on everybody. And if you look in an orchestra, especially with tuxes and dressing up, it's, um, I would say over half of the people in every single orchestra, you just look at it and it's just, um, you can, once you see it, you can unsee it type of deal. So if we can teach our body to strengthen itself into alignment, to correct the rounded shoulders, to actually go to a posture where your shoulders are in a functional position and your head's in neutral and your scapula is actually supporting your back muscles, that's going to make your life so much easier from um, lifting overhead um, luggage into the airport, from deadlifting and picking up a heavy instrument and running across the airport in between a connecting flight, um, going to an audition <laughs> and not experiencing that tension pain the next day when you're in that preliminary round playing right at the Valkyries if you're a bass trombonist like me. So uh, there are a lot of different implications. And then going back to my last pillar, which is mindfulness and mindset, I mentioned that they weren't, they aren't two different things. Mindfulness, um, Alexander technique uses it a lot, but it's really the ability to be aware in the present moment and be very curious about how you're moving, be very curious about how you're learning and be very curious about just life in general. And then mindset, of course, as musicians, um, we have a lot of performance anxiety. That's something that cripples college and young amateur musicians um, nationwide, I would say across the world. And it's something that they have to constantly work on. And then they're also put in an environment that not necessarily um, is very healthy because we're competitive from a very, very young age. It's a cutthroat world, unfortunately. And that can be very debilitating if you are um, a genuine human being who's very kind hearted, but has a hard time blocking those things or turning them into opportunities for growth, as opposed to opportunities to fail or roadblocks that um, present their ways or present, um, what am I trying to say? That pre present themselves in front of the destination you're trying to get to. So it's really a full circle. And if you can be open to all of these different ideas and no matter where you are at in your functional journey, I found that the clients that I work with, it's one of these four pillars that is holding them back. In a lot of the cases, it's a multiple one, but for me, like mindset, that's always going to be the thing that I'm working on as opposed to strengthening my body into alignment or developing that high sense of body awareness. You need to recognize tension or pain. And, and um, every client's different. Everybody has different needs, but it's really fascinating to see how if you can get them to understand the pillars and understand where they're at, 
they take control of their own growth and they take control of their own health and wellness habits moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. Peter, do you want to respond to that? We disagree on so we just agree on so much of just the body is just an amazing tool. And we've all just been trained to do from a young age that once we're good at something, we need to go and be good at it. And we're seeing it in athletes a lot too. Um, once you get good at it, your parents tell you just play soccer the rest of your life or just play basketball. And then, and then I know for you guys, it becomes so competitive. Austin just mentioned it becomes so competitive in an early age that you just start playing that one instrument, but you're probably introduced to four or five instruments at first. Um, and that's where Austin and I really come in is like that repetitive injury because our mindset changes, our nutrition changes and we get so competitive. That's where the injuries start to come in. And wow, if we can start to focus on this at an early age, then Austin and I might not have jobs in a later year. And that'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this is a great piggyback because I think injuries are a very important thing to talk about. And I think that, uh, ironically enough, I, I think people shy away from fitness because I can't tell you how many times I've heard like, oh, I don't want to strength train because I might get hurt. And I, I, and you guys are laughing because, um, you know, like I remember when I started doing CrossFit and everything, like my, in, my playing related injuries went down because... I was just stronger and I, and I was telling Peter this story earlier where I remember the first time I came into class, we were doing front squats. And for those who don't know, you hold the barbell like in front, uh, basically by your chest and you have to get your elbows up. And I couldn't, because of my post, my poor posture for so long and I was scrunched uh, forward, I couldn't get my elbows above like 90 degrees. And it took probably two months of just like working on my mobility to get myself there and it's just because of of you know repetitive use and so i think that um you know injuries are are interesting to talk about because i think people are afraid of fitness because they don't want to get injured but in reality it can actually solve some of your injury issues so i don't know who wants to start on this i feel, I feel like you guys can go forever on this yeah for sure i'll, <laughs> I'll jump in there again today i'm just learning about what austin does for the first time and to know that someone like him exists in this world. And I don't know how much, how many competitors you have Austin, but it's just, a, it's amazing to know that there's people like you because there's gyms in every city. We all know that. And there's a array of gyms in every city uh, to choose from. And to Sam's point, choosing the right gym, especially if you're going to go with a personal trainer or a group fitness atmosphere is so important because many of you that are listening to this are doing this or have goals of doing this as a profession. Um, being a musician as a profession, you cannot afford a serious injury. You just can't. You lose money the second that happens. Uh, so, Sam, thank you for talking about us and, and helping you. But we are very professional. We were a full CrossFit gym. We're not anymore. We've transitioned to way more of, of what Austin's offer talks about with yoga and mobility. And we have um, a chiropractor, not ours and not in-house, but a very close friend of ours, dry needling specialist, uh, myofascial release specialist in the long run it does take if you're really doing this as a profession it takes a team of people to really make sure that you're being as healthy as possible um, and hopefully two big parts of that team can be taken up with the right choice of your gym or or a personal trainer um, and nutrition coach like austin um, but if we don't choose those people wisely then you can end up with further injuries um, so ask questions you have to be educated 
you you have to be smart about when you're going in. And if they're if you're walking into a gym or a personal trainer and they're not showing interest in you right away and getting to know more about your profession, then you probably want to walk out of there as fast as you walked in um, before you make a choice for that to be your gym. Yeah, for sure. And then Austin, uh, I you know, there's obviously a myriad of uh, musician injuries. I know, for example, a number of people who have had, um, oh God, what's it called? The, the one with the, uh, focal dystonia. Focal dystonia that's right. Um, so a number of people that had that, and I've, I've always had trouble with my right hand because obviously the weight of the instrument is on my hand. So I've always mm-hmm. had trouble with right hand tension and stuff. And so do you want to touch on like all the musician related parts of this and how functional fitness yeah, can yeah so that is a big can of worms yeah. <laughs> but i'll try to be um uh as clear as possible and concise so um depending on your instrument there are a lot of factors that just go into play with the type of um percentage you have in developing a performance related injury so um these are taken from studies from pubmed but factors include gender for some reason, females are more susceptible to performance-related injuries than their male counterparts. I cannot tell you why. This research still needs to be done on that. Um, depending on what instrument you play, uh, that can have a direct correlation on which body parts you're likely to um, develop into an injury. For example, as you can imagine, violinists are very wrist and shoulder-oriented, while as brass players are more upper back and lower back and wrist if you're a trumpet player or a valve player. Uh, oriented. So depending on what instrument you play, you can have certain um, parts of your body that are more likely to be injured or develop an injury. And other factors include your daily practice time, the strength of your body, your fitness level, your body mass index, the ratio of your weight and your height. That is a huge factor. Um, And then of course, sleep, hydration, and nutrition. But going into those injuries, um, neglecting the gym is neglecting an essential part of your health and wellness. And I think one of these myths is that Alexander technique, which is a fantastic modality, is enough to prevent performance-related injuries over the long term. But there's actually been studies done on this that Alexander Technique has shown no benefits in preventing tension or pain from happening in a performance scenario. Now, psychologically, the mindset, that's completely different. And it's been shown that that's been helped, helped or that Alexander Technique has been shown to help performance anxiety in high-stress situations. And Peter, for, for, um, are you familiar with Alexander Technique? Gotcha. Well, it's, um, it's one of those modalities that's very great for developing body awareness and incorporating mindfulness into your movement and your practice. And this is very common among, amongst musicians uh, worldwide. And it's something that's been around for a little over 100 years. Um, and it's fantastic. And all musicians should try it. However, keep in the back of your mind that because of our society, because we're constantly hunched over and gravity is pulling our neck downward, we're having those rounded shoulder issues. Because we're sitting down all the time, we're having lower back issues. Our lower back is taking up a role that they're not, it's not designed to do, you know, when you're sitting down for long periods of time. So keeping that in mind, finding someone like Peter said, who understands your background, who understands your daily stressors, who understands your lifestyle can really go a long way into preventing performance related injuries from happening in the future. And it's really, really important that you do your research before you go and you just pick any trainer. Because as you said, there are gyms across America, there are thousands and thousands of gyms, and there's not a lot of people like me doing what I do. So there's not a lot of people that know what you're after, that know your background and know your type of lifestyle. So you got to be willing to find one of those trainers that are open to uh, listening to you, listening to what you struggle with, and also working on your weaknesses. Because there's a lot of trainers and a lot of gyms out there who only care about one thing. 
making you look sexy and getting a commission. And that's, un- that's an unfortunate, uh, that's an unfortunate thing. We don't have to talk too much about. However, that is a reality. And the first time I went to a gym, um, you know, that detracted me because he just wanted me to sign up because I knew he'd get a 50% commission into um, his pocket and he wasn't really listening to the words I was telling him. So after searching and doing some research and trying out different trainers, I found one that worked for me, you know, who was willing to listen to me and my story and actually answer questions and try to bridge that communication gap between music and fitness. Yeah, that's, that's really wonderful. And and a lot of great information there. Um, So moving forward a little bit past the, the injuries, can you, this is a big thing for me. Can you talk about the importance of discipline, the importance and discipline of like a routine, like, like. For me, I need to schedule my time and and do it. Otherwise, I have a hard time sort of getting in the groove. And I know for people who aren't used to exercising on a regular basis or moving on a regular basis, this is incredibly important. So, Austin, why don't you, why don't you start with this one? Sure. So, um, to just kind of go into that, there, I definitely have a routine, and we definitely want to figure out what works for us. Um, for those of you that are familiar with habit building, you don't want to start with a very complex system of things to jump into. You know, if someone gives you a very complicated workout program and you're a beginner and this is your first day, two or three weeks down the road, you're going to end up falling off that train and it's going to be very hard to jump back on. So just like with our performance, being consistent, even if it's five minutes out on a day, can go a long way into preventing that tension and pain. And um, for the consistency wise, let me just um, break it down for you and give you a little bit of perspective with body awareness. Okay, so mobility is my body awareness choice of uh, my modality choice. It does a lot of different things for me, and I can kill so many birds with so many stones. But if I'm not consistent with my practice, it does not matter, and I'll tell you why. Um, Developing the idea and sensitizing our mind to experience tension or pain and recognize that and release it is one thing. But we also do want a general baseline about where our body is. Because if we can check in with our body on a daily basis, whether it's in the morning or at the night, I do both. I call them bookends. But if you're able to consistently do that in the morning and the night or whatever, you can have a general baseline with what your mobility is, what tension and pain you're experiencing that day, and you can compare it. You can compare it over time um, to weeks, to months, to you know, in my case right now, two different two years. So with that said. If I have tension or pain that's occurring in my shoulder and I know I'm like, okay, lifting my shoulder up ahead. Oh, like today I can't lift it up and I have a little tension. Like what's going on? I work on a little bit. I come back the next day. If that's still an issue, I know if this keeps persisting, I'm going down that path towards um, improper movement, faulty movement patterns, which is eventually going to turn into a greater chance of performance related injury and some type of real life scenario of movement where I have to lift my arm above my shoulder. So being consistent in that mobility, even if it's just five or 10 minutes a day, goes a long way in developing a baseline about where you're at and where your body is at, um, whether it's improving or whether it's heading down the wrong direction. And if you can check in with your body and figure out where it's at on that path, then you can do a better job of being accountable holding yourself accountable and taking the necessary actions to prevent things from happening in the future, but also pointing your future in the direction that you want it to go. For sure. Peter, do you want to jump in on your, your routine and and discipline and everything? Yeah, I come from a little bit of a different background on this one um, in that we are majority of our gym is group fitness and group class oriented. We do offer uh, many personal training options and we do have a lot of personal training clients um, for some really in-depth 
uh, accountability or routine building needs. Um, but from us as a group fitness facility, most of the musicians I know in the world are as busy as anybody. Um, you're training, you're sleeping, you're eat, breathe, re repeat um, what you're trying to accomplish. So the accountability side is just as important as us teaching your routine. Um, and I can't remember his name, but we have an amazing story. Um, Sam, maybe you remember his name from uh, your counterpart that, I mean, he, I think he did our nutrition program. Oh yeah. Pedro Fernandez. Yeah. Pedro, thank you. His accountability that we were able to help him and give him, provide him. He lost like 36 pounds, something like 17% body fat. Um, and he said he was just like playing at the top of his, at the top of his level. And it was just amazing. We can teach the routines and ideally that would be the best option in my opinion, but for as busy as many of you are just to have the accountability can be just as important, especially for those of you at the professional level already, you kind of need a coach there with you. And so, yes, routines are very important. Absolutely. For the foundation of our life, for me as a dad, having a routine is very, very important. But if you're a professional at the top of your game right now, then just having the accountability can be just as important. Um, and so again, looking for places that have specific, we have a program we call the individual design. I don't need Sam to go to CrossFit four days a week, five days a week. I need Sam to work on his mobility two days a week. I need Sam to show up for certain workouts. I need Sam to focus on his nutrition. I need Sam to sleep eight hours a night if he can. So if Sam's really trying to be the best musician he can, especially when the orchestra is in season, he needs to find an individual design program to help him get through that. Whereas if he's in the off season, we might just be coaching a proper routine. Um, but if you're really out there trying to be the best of the best, then the accountability coaching can be probably more valuable than me just teaching your routine. Yeah. And I think that, that this uh, clientele musicians, I think there is no better group in terms of discipline and accountability. Like I remember when Pedro started the nutrition thing and he came in the first week and he had all his meals lined up and I was like, this guy's going to lose like a bunch of weight and gain a bunch of money. And he did, he, he like shrunk down and then just bulked up because he, you know, I mean, that guy has such a discipline and just this mindset of like, okay, I need to get this done. How do I get there? Um, so I like that, that word accountability. Um, I know that's, that's very important for me for sure. Um, so let's talk about, uh, you know, you said it's different for everybody, but in terms of like the frequency, uh, Peter, you're you're an athlete. So like, how often do you uh, strength train or exercise? I don't think I can give a one time. So for me, uh, I'm a dad of two now. I'm well past my competing days. Uh, three days a week of absolute fitness, like what I would consider CrossFit. We don't do purely CrossFit anymore because um, there's been a other issues there. Uh, three days a week, <laughs> strength and fitness. Um, one day a week of just getting out. That might be walking, riding a bike with my kids, whatever, just moving. One good day a week of yoga, if not two to three days a week of yoga, intermixing that. Um, and then I've tried and I've fallen off my wagon, but meditating three to five days a week is really important. And again, this is my holistic approach to just me. And I'm not an athlete anymore. When I was an athlete, mm -hmm. it was strength and fitness or strength and conditioning training five, six days a week. It was eat right as best as possible, really follow my nutrition and sleep. I wasn't unfortunately taught um, the importance of yoga. I was good. I've always been good with mobility, but yoga in itself, especially for the mindset training that Austin's referred to. Um, so I think there's a mixture of like a three days of fitness, 
one or two days of yoga, every day of mindfulness and an every day of nutrition. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool, Peter. Yeah. Austin. Yeah. Go ahead. Why don't you jump Yeah. In? I love how you said that was your holistic approach for you. Like that, that really resonated with me because I'm like thinking, I'm like, cool. Like I do that. I don't do this. I don't do that. And that's okay because we both have different approaches and we both have different circumstances and experiences and things that work for us. And, um, yeah, I'd love to just dive into kind of like what I do too. So, uh, mine's pretty intense because most of the time I set up my schedule in a way where I'm trying to build a business. So I'm working on that full time. And I'm also trying to work on a doctoral dissertation and a doctoral uh, recital, as well as keep um, my girlfriend happy and have a very healthy relationship, as well as do some other life things. So um, I'm working throughout the day. So I have to uh, have habits set in line or that it's just not going to happen. So um, three days a week, I do do strength training. Um, right now I miss the gym. I love free weights, um, but I don't have free weights here. So I use bands and those have been effective for what they are, but they are limited in their capabilities. But, um, three days a week, I'm doing some strength training, focusing on full body or upper body, lower body. And then I'm also do two days a week interspersed with scapula training just to work on that mm-hmm. stability that I need to hold up the base trombone. Cause if that's not there, the first thing that happens in the morning is I get 10 minutes into my routine. It's just like tension in my breath and everything's downhill. So, um, but along those lines, I do do mobility every single day. Um, I honestly, looking back, I can't remember when the last time is I took a day off. Um, it's probably been three or four months and in the morning and at night, I also do do meditation and I journal and I also visualize for about 20 minutes. And it's something that I took from one of my business mentors. And he said, if your mindset's not there to support the lifestyle that you want, you're not going to get to the lifestyle that you deserve. So, Um, I've been meditating for probably 20 minutes every day for the past four months. And I can honestly say I didn't start seeing benefits from the meditation until last month. And it's just amazing how like the, the meditation does just like tension and pain, it compounds over time. And just like with your mind, it's a skill that you need to develop. And that meditation and that mobility, if I don't get those workouts in are the only way I can function as a human without feeling, um, that you know, the previous three-year injury cycle kind of just like poke its little finger at me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's great. Um, so it, I think that one thing we can learn from both of you is that you guys do have, uh, you know, a very specific set of things that you do and you hit every day. And um, I think where I struggle is with all the, uh, the extra stuff, like the mobility, the nutrition, the meditation, like that's the stuff that I think, uh, I would benefit from the most. Cause with the exercise, I can, that, that part I can do, I can, I can do strength train, go to class. It's, it's great. But with all the other stuff, I think that that's where the accountability and, and the routine really comes into play. And, and, uh, knowing that that, that is the stuff that's actually going to help me more than the actual fitness com- component of it. Cause you were talking about the scapula training and I remember, uh, my life changed the day that Peter introduced me to the, uh, whatever, whatever that thing's called the cross, uh, symmetry. Yeah. The cross cross symmetry. That thing is awesome. Uh, so for those who don't know your scapula are like the two muscles, like in between your spine, basically, am I explaining this correctly? I guess I should ask you guys. In between your shoulder blades. In between shoulder blades. blades, Yeah. There you go. They Um, they really help kind of pull back the the shoulders. And again, talking we've talked about like we're, we've lost use of our scapula because of our cell phones or computers. And then, driving and then oh by the way you would play musical instruments all day every day so 
this like shoulder. And if you're watching, like I'm very forward hunched, I'm really in this position. Um, and these overuse injuries are so common in every day, but even in musicians, um, because we just stick. So your scapula, your upper traps, your lats, which are all the muscles that are really in the back of your back <laughs> behind your shoulders. And on that backside, we just don't use them often. And just to take a moment and even roll your shoulders backwards two or three times an hour can change your life. <laughs> like, especially when you're stuck in those positions. So it, and so I wanted to build on something that you guys have both said. Uh, and something my wife has taught me more than everything is like, we all have permission to say it's enough and it's okay. And what I mean by that is we want to be so perfect. And you hear someone like Austin and myself, we're pretty well tuned in with our body and what we need to accomplish. But if I don't accomplish something in a particular day, I used to beat myself up about it. And I would cause myself more stress trying to not sleep because I need to finish another fitness routine or try to prepare my food. And like, we all have permission to say like, I did enough today. I have to stay focusing in tomorrow and that's okay. But if we just compound the stress because I didn't do fitness today and I didn't eat well, it doesn't give me permission to wake up tomorrow and slam some donuts. Like, or if I do slam donuts in the morning, cause I'm hanging out with a friend, I don't need to slam cake at lunch. Like just cause you miss it once doesn't mean that the whole day is gone or the whole week is gone. Every day is a new day to be okay and start over. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I, I love watching, or I love following Shannon's Instagram because she always has little nuggets of information like that. And I think that, uh, that thing where it's like, you know, just because you didn't do everything that you had planned doesn't mean that you didn't do enough for the day. I mean, I think that that's totally true. And, you know, the next day you have a chance to, uh, to restart and, and to do it again. Um, very cool. So, uh, what are, what are the sort of non-obvious benefits to functional fitness? Let's just do like, uh, let's just do one, one thing from each person. So like for me, the non-obvious benefit from, for, uh, functional fitness is mental health. I just think that, hmm. um, you know, the last month or so I've been going to the gym or I guess a month and a half, I'm going to the gym every morning, seven o'clock, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I've just, you know, it's just a great way to kick off the day. And I just feel like you, you go, you see people, um, and you just feel good the rest of the day. You feel like you accomplished something in an hour that, you know, you previously would probably be sleeping. So I think mental, for me, mental health is a non-obvious benefit to functional fitness. So Austin, why don't you jump in? Yeah. So as a musician, just getting away from the music life can be so such a relaxing and mental break. It's just awesome to focus on a hobby and focus something outside of something you're so intensely focused on. Because usually what happens is when we focus so intensely on developing any type of skill or improving any type of skill, we can get caught in our own circle and we can't see our blind spots or we don't see things that are so simple because we're too busy hammering away at it. But if you can take that step back and do something you love, do something you enjoy, do something that um, kind of resets your body and your mind, it can be a huge um, just step back. And next time you go to practice, next time you go to study or do whatever you're doing in your musical life, you're going to be a lot more grateful and you're going to be a lot more in the moment and you're going to enjoy the process a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Peter? Yeah, the escape of the world of reality when you're working out is absolutely the, we all forget about it, but especially again in the group fitness um, industry, you're not going to have your phone. You're not going to be thinking about 
your next practice or your next audition or your next whatever it is for one hour a day. And our, our coaches are literally instructed to provide the best hour of a day to all of our members. Like that's their goal when they enter a class, provide you the member, the best hour of the day. And so if you guys didn't know that, and then you come in and you have an awesome hour then like for one hour, you didn't check your email. You didn't worry about what's for lunch or dinner. And it's a non-obvious thing that we all forget about like one hour of focusing on you. That's all we ask. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, definitely an overlooked, uh, benefit of, of functional fitness. Um, so we've, we've talked about it nonstop, but nutrition and diet, can we give maybe just a few helpful hints to people who maybe aren't the best with uh nutrition and diet diet like myself i'm mainly looking for advice for myself here from both of you but um like what's you know one or two things that you would say could you know get people to break the cycle and and, and start on a sort of positive trajectory so peter why don't you why don't you start up here oh try to keep it short and concise here water 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 um i start off every single day with about 20 ounces of water before I even brush my teeth, before I drink coffee, um, 20 ounces mm. of water and not slamming it because I don't know, there's probably some benefits I don't know, but drink it moderate pace, 20 ounces of water. Um, eating colorful fruits and vegetables, and it sounds so stupid. They don't need to be cooked and baked and made some particularly perfect way. Um, just get them in your diet every day, um, especially vegetables. Um, and, and really the big one that I am a stickler on and my wife will tell me drive nuts, like just avoid extra sugars. It is so addicting and the food and health administration in this world has done us no favors. Uh, I can't remember what it was. Uh, we've talked about this, but sugar has what, 26 different names, maybe more, maybe Austin can remind me, maybe it's 50 oh, different names. It's a lot. <laughs> and, and we don't realize how addictive that is, unfortunately. Um, but if you can eliminate sugar, drink more water, then you're going to feel better and you're going to have less joint pain. Uh, you're going to perform better um, and just yeah. eat more vegetables. Those are my three. I could do a lot more, but those are my three basics. Those are great. Yeah. Well, Peter, I feel like we can be best friends. We literally <laughs> agree. <laughs> we literally agree on everything. And like when you said that water, drinking the wa 20 ounces of water before your first cup of coffee, so, so important. I actually make all of my clients do that as well. That is such a great habit just to get into and it sets up your day. And it just like um, Sam said earlier with his workout, it gets you into that productivity mode and be like, yeah, I just did this. And it also wakes you up quicker and gets you in that zone of high energy and high productivity um, from an early part. But that doesn't count as my one because I was just piggybacking. So <laughs> my other two uh, <laughs> would be um, just like as a general rule, the more processed a food is, the less nutrients it's going to have and the more energy that your body is going to use to digest that. And maybe it's going to leave you feeling groggy or foggy or less focused, or maybe even have a stomach ache or a little bit of a headache. And those are all signs that that quality of food is very, really poor. So by focusing on what Peter said, focusing on foods with less ingredients, foods that um, are closer to that one or two ingredient mark are really, really key, you know, like chicken and vegetables. And I don't want to say whole foods because that's such a generic term, but yeah, whole foods um, that can go a really, really long way. And just remembering that processed foods, 80 to 90% of the stores or the stores, 80 to 90% of the food in stores are processed foods anyway. So you got to really be diligent when you go into those grocery stores and be like, I'm going to 
um, buy everything on this list and not look at those sugary sweets that are right in my eyeball. And the last thing I would probably say, this is really hard because there's so many good habits that we can just develop. Um, but I would say, um, Ooh, you know, I'm probably just going to keep it at that. Um, those are, those are all great ways to get started. If we overload you with information and you try to do all these things, you're going to drop them all at once, like juggling a lot of different balls. So definitely focus on that hydration. Definitely focus on eating very, very, uh, nutritious foods with lots of colors and less ingredients. And just remember that sugar, if it's not one of those one or two ingredients, there's probably a high amount of sugar in there. And the more sugar you have, the more greater chances of developing those diseases like diabetes and um, all of those bad things that happen down the road. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that, that uh, Peter, your, your counterpart, Jared, uh, he said to us in our intro class was, um, if you shop on the outside of the grocery store, generally that's like the safest place. Like if you go around the outside aisles, that's where like all the fruits, vegetables, whole foods, you get a little tricky when you get to the frozen foods because that's kind of like <laughs> where everything's jammed in. But I think as a general rule of thumb, like shopping on the outside aisles of the grocery store is a, is a good place to start. And because, uh, you know, generally all the processed stuff is in the middle. So just take a look around the outsides. You'll find all the fruits and vegetables. I, I'm going to try to be as quick as I can, but like there never will be, and there never has been a fad diet. That's a one-stop shop. We are all such unique humans. Just because somebody can drink dairy and have no effect doesn't mean that dairy is good. Just because someone eats a plant-based diet doesn't mean that everyone needs to eat a plant-based diet. Just because someone eats all grass-fed local, the most expensive meat in the grocery store doesn't mean that everyone should eat meat. Um, we have to try different things. And with that, I really encourage everybody, if, again, if this is your profession and your livelihood, hire a coach. For, most nutrition coaches should only need three months to help change your life. If you're hiring a nutrition coach for longer than three months, it's either A, because you have a lot of disposable income, so great, do it. Um, or B, you're just, you have a lot more um, higher standards for yourself. And, and that's great. You can have an ongoing nutrition coach. But if you really just want to change your habits, three months with a good nutrition coach should help you change your habits. Yeah. And just to piggyback off of that, um, it's really good to just remember that diets and their definition are just temporary solutions. And if you start thinking about nutrition, what you're putting in your body and how that's going to affect your body and your mind, that's going to help you just be consistent with eating healthier foods in general. Because if we're always looking for that fad diet, we're not addressing the real problem is that, and that is what you are putting in your body. Because once you take away those fats, once you have that fat back, your body is going to go into overload mode and just absorb everything that it has. And that's going to turn into fat. And that's just one example. But just remember that nutrition, as opposed to diet, that mindset shift, very, very small, but also very, very important. Yeah, we call it a lifestyle, right? Nutri well, fitness and not everything should be, but like, it, again, it's a buzzword, but nutrition truly is the lifestyle that you live. It's okay to have a few beers as long as you're oh. not doing it every night, right? It's okay to do a couple of those things. And as long as yeah. you're of age too for our underage listeners. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yes, you. of course. <laughs> um, and one more thing, just to piggyback that off of, um, for the nutrition, like I love thinking of it like a batting average. And I'm not going for a perfect batting, perfect batting average. I'm just going for a really high number. And if I know that I'm getting to that number every week, like, um, like you said, I don't feel guilty having an adult libation or a beer. 
Like I don't, I don't feel guilty eating half a pizza as long as I know everything else and that batting average is still staying consistent. Yeah. Very cool guys. Uh, so let's, let's touch on one more topic, which you guys have also mentioned, which is, uh, the sleep rest recovery aspect of functional fitness. And uh, another area where I tend to struggle with, I've, I've been much better recently, but as you can tell, I'm struggling in a lot of these areas, but, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, sleep, uh, rest recovery, man, I feel like it's so important. Uh, which one do you want to go first? I, I, either one. Peter, go ahead. I, I, I'm really curious about what you have to say. Um, again, one of the best, worst things in our lives ever happened to us was the internet because you can go and Google 97 things about sleep and find out all sorts of information. <laughs> Um, but the reality is you have to do what's best for you. I know plenty of friends that are functioning at six hours of sleep and they seem to be very healthy. They seem to really hit on all cylinders. They're high, um, high profile people that are really able to do it. Um, but we all have heard, hopefully, um, somewhere between seven hours and 15 minutes to about eight and a half hours is really the sweet spot that we're trying to get to. Um, but you can go into so much information about, well, there's REM cycles, there's hour and a half REM cycles. So really six and a half hours is ideal or whatever. You have to be rested. You can't catch up on sleep either. That one drives me nuts. Just because you slept for five hours one day doesn't mean that you can sleep for 12 the next day and average it out. You just have to <laughs> listen to your body. If you can take a nap some days and it's truly available for you to take a nap, do it. Like don't give in, don't fight it. Usually a nap comes on from either not sleeping pattern going back to routine, sleep is the biggest routine I could say. Um, or it becomes your diet of why you're becoming so tired. Um, so mm. those are the, usually the biggest contributors to bad sleep. So going back to one of your questions earlier, Sam, the last thing I'll say was with sleep is try, that's the only thing I do try to make really routine. Mm. I try to get to bed about, and I, tr and I, I do listen to the internet, what they say out there. I try to read before bed instead of watch TV. I, we, we sleep with our phones in a separate room at this point, my wife and I, um, which was about two years ago. And that was a game changer. And, um, try to try to shut down that, that blue screen about at least 45 minutes before bed, but how it's much beautiful sleep, Peter. Yeah. How much sleep is going to be a little bit different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd love to piggyback off of that and kind of connect the bridge to the music life. Um, you know, I'm going to agree with everything you said. That's really, really great. Eliminating that blue screen and everybody's different, but prioritizing that sleep. And I would actually argue that, um, well, I'm agreeing with you, but I would also argue to everybody out there that sleep is the most important health and wellness habit you can have. Because if you start neglecting your sleep, if it starts to decrease in quality and quantity, depending on you and your situation, that's going to literally affect everything in your health and wellness. So um, just to bridge the gap a little bit, you know, if you're a musician, if you're in college or whether you're a prof uh, professional performing musician, um, especially if you're a brass player, um, lack of sleep is going to directly correlate to how your chops respond and feel in the morning. It's also going to directly correlate to the amount of practicing you did that day and the retention from short-term into long-term memory. So for example, if you have a very hard four bar passage of 16th notes, you practice for 45 minutes on day A, and then you got four hours of sleep and on day B, um, you're expecting that to be a little bit better. It probably will be for the 45 minutes. But if you would have focused on 30 minutes and prioritized seven to eight, maybe even nine hours of sleep, there's a chance that maybe you wouldn't even have to work on that lick anymore. Just hit it a couple times and know that it's there because you put in the necessary work. But you also gave your brain the time to develop that myelin around those neurons to develop that skill and improve that short term and long term memory, if that makes sense. So. 
um, you know, just as a musician myself, like um, when you're in those high practicing audition scenarios and you are learning so much and practicing at a high level all the time, prioritizing that sleep is something that if you neglect, you're actually going to be hurting your progress in your gains over the course of whatever audition cycle or um, recital period that you are practicing for. So, and that's just one of those examples, one of a example of how one simple health and wellness habit can bleed over into music performance. And it's not that one lick that's going to go to short-term to long-term memory. It's also everything else you practice. So if you're practicing good, healthy habits in your performance and you're getting adequate sleep, that's re-solidifying these healthy habits. And every time you go to your instrument, you're going to feel that 1% improvement or 2% improvement that's so essential over the long-term that we're trying to strive for. So um, I think that's all I'll say on that topic, but I think it's a really important one that we just want to keep in the back of our mind because it's not something we necessarily really think about. Yeah, for sure. Sleep is so important and uh, just being well-rested. I know when I have an audition or a big concert coming up, I always try to increase my uh, sleep and my rest uh, and decrease my practicing. I think that that's an important thing because uh, like you said, you know, sometimes just getting an extra hour of sleep is, is worth the, you know, 30 minutes of practicing that you might've missed out on. Um, so great uh, guys, this has been really fantastic. Uh, before you leave, I, I always like to do this for my guests. Uh, any last words, shout outs, pieces of advice, words of wisdom. So Peter, you want to start this one? Uh, one area we didn't talk about and I just want to hit is, and one of my coaches said this to me early on, um, in at least my adulthood is your body doesn't know the difference between stress. So it doesn't know if that your my kids are sick. It doesn't know if, um, I have a big test coming up. It doesn't know if I have a big audition tomorrow morning. Your response internally is all going to be high cortisol levels, high stress, bad sleep, crazy habits. So going back to the routine question earlier is finding a way that you know always works for you um, to decompress a little bit is really, really probably the last piece of the health puzzle that we didn't talk about. We have to deal with stress and most of it can be fought with all of the things we've talked about by um, sleep, um, closing down technology, focusing on your uh, um, nutrition, things like that. But um, be mindful of what you're, what's going on around you and uh, do your best to go for walks, get out in nature, breathe clean air, um, try to escape reality from time to time because stress is nasty. Yeah, for sure. Austin? Yeah, beautifully said, Peter. I, I agree with everything you said. As <laughs> for the whole conversation, I agree with everything you say. So um, it's certainly been a pleasure. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Peter. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. For those of you that are interested in what I do and want to communicate, I'm available on Instagram, The Functional Musician, as well as LinkedIn, The Functional Musician. If you have any questions, if you're experiencing tension or pain, just shoot me a message and I'm happy to uh, listen to your story and see how I can help. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you both, Peter. Uh, and you can check Peter out on uh, at Napton Fitness. Um, if you're in the Indianapolis area, fantastic uh, gym, just amazing people there. Uh, both he and Jared, the, the co-owners, fantastic individuals. Um, and then Austin, as, as he just gave this beautiful uh, plug for his business. I think I might have to send you a message on Instagram, though I think I have your, your email now, so maybe I'll do that instead. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, if, if, if you're uh, looking at to, uh, trying to limit your tension and pain while playing, uh, it's very, very, very important for the longevity of our careers because, uh, you know, many people don't know that we do this for, you know, sometimes 30, 40, 50 years and keeping our bodies in tip-top shape is incredibly important. Um, 
So for our new listeners out there, please make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at The Candid Clarinetist, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thecandidclarinetist. If you haven't checked out our new website, I would also encourage you to do that at candidclarinetistpodcast.com. Once again, I am Sam Rothstein, and thanks for tuning in to The Candid Clarinetist Podcast.